Taylor's Baptist Church. It's a joy to welcome you here today. We also want to welcome those that are live streaming our service. We don't always mention you guys, but thank you for tuning in and streaming our service. We're glad that you could be here with us. Today, we just want to encourage you, if you're visiting, uh, we, I say this a lot of times, just make yourself at home. We're normal people, for the most part, and uh, we want you to feel welcome here. Just make yourself at home. Um, if you are visiting with us, we'd encourage you before you leave to fill out a guest card. We just love to have a record of your visit to know how we can serve you. If you would like more uh, information about our ministries you can request that on there and we would love to be in contact with you and love to meet you after the service as well 
Um, before we uh, get into our worship time, I've been asked to make an announcement, um, and that is for a cake auction that's going to be done for Dinah Purser. Trish Jones, is Trish here? She's in the back, somewhere. She was here. She's somewhere. But Trish is going to be, uh, as one of our members, she's organizing this uh, cake auction on behalf of Dinah Purser. And just to give you some details, um, if you would like to help by making a cake, uh, you could send a picture of what you're making and the name of what you're making to Trish Jones. And I've got her number here if you need that after the service. Or you can post it on her Facebook page. Um, she's organizing that through that. The bidding will begin at 8 a.m. on Wednesday and end this Friday at 9 p.m. And for those of you that want to make a cake, the cakes will be dropped off from 5 to 7 this Friday evening in the gym. And uh, then those who uh, win the auction, you can pick up those cakes Saturday morning from 10 to 12 in the gym. And all those uh, monies that are raised will go to help Dinah with all the ongoing medical expenses. And you'll hear more about that later, I'm sure, as a church, as we want to support her and help her. Um, but those checks can be made out to Dinah Purser, and those are going to just go directly to her. So if you'd like more information, please see Trish Jones, and she'll take care of that. But right now, I'm going to ask you to stand. After that, just wave at your neighbor. You don't have to shake their hand. Just wave at them. Say, welcome. Glad you're here, and let's worship the Lord together.
he's worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Next week, we're going to have the privilege to give to the Mother's Day offering. If you'll look in your bulletin, you know, 21 years ago, I was, Lori and I was a recipient of that gift. Uh, I, I hope you'll consider how you will give. They need our help to help other people. So that'll be next week. I want to invite you to come, and I want to pray for Tim Childers. He got to go home yesterday, or Friday. And uh, I want also to remember Bobby Norton and Junior Wood this morning. Would you come this morning and help me pray for these folks, and let's pray together. You come. Would you come, please? Father, we can reach out and touch you because you're here. You're alive forevermore, and we thank you for your presence. And Father, we're, we never walk alone. You're a God who hears us, and you're a God who loves us, and you answer prayer. And we praise you this morning because you're worthy of all honor and glory and praise. And we want to thank you this morning that you're our Father. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy that's renewed every morning. Lord, help us to be reminded who you are and whose we are. Father, I pray this morning, God, for those in need. I pray for Tim and Dawn. I pray you'd bless him. I pray you'd bring healing and help to his body and continue to just to raise him up. And Father, I want to pray for Bobby. He's in the hospital. You continue to be with him and give him health and strength. And Father, for Junior Wood, I pray you'd help him going through a difficult time, be with their family, meet all their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And Father, this morning I want to pray for Trent and their team, South Asia. Lord, some are having difficulty with health. I pray for them. I pray you'd bring help and healing to them. Help them, Lord, as they're serving you on foreign fields. And Father, be with the situation in Ukraine as they're rescuing people and take them into Poland or Romania. Father, be with those who are reaching out. And Lord, we love you this morning. Help us to help others that are hurting. That's what we're here for. That's what you've called us to do. And Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, choir. As they're going down, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. As you know, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series entitled Questions and Answers. And what I'm trying to do is answer a lot of the questions that I've been asked over the years about different things in the Bible, theology, um, things that we do here as a church and as a staff. And as de- uh, when I met with our deacons last, I said, you know, I've been asked this question by people a lot. Is like when you give your money, for those of you that tithe, where does the money go? Wouldn't you like to know? We're going to talk about this this morning. Why should I give? You know, it's very rare that I uh, talk about giving, but our, David Jeremiah said this, to not speak about finances is like taking a penknife and cutting out the heart of the scriptures. The word baptism is mentioned 40 times in the Bible. I preach on baptism every year here. I preach on baptism a lot here. The word prayer, 275 times. I can't count the number of times I've preached on prayer. The word faith, 350 times. On Wednesday nights, we're talking about faith and how our faith out of Hebrews chapter 11 is based on evidence. It's not blind faith. It's actual faith built on historical fact. The word love, 650 times. Preached on that a lot. But there are 2,350 verses that talk about finances, offerings, tithes, and material blessings. Stephen Cole said this, on the spiritual importance of giving. Giving is one of the most fail-proof litmus tests of your relationship to God. On more than one occasion, Jesus linked a person's giving to eternal life. When God saved Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus said this after his salvation. He was a wealthy tax collector. He said, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Stephen Cole goes on to say this, his salvation immediately touched his pocketbook. Jesus confirmed this, confirmed this in this formerly greedy man's conversion by saying, today salvation has come to his house. In contrast, when the rich young ruler went to Jesus, he said, teacher, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What a witness and opportunity. So Jesus said this, that's easy. Just invite me into your heart by faith. No, he didn't say that. He knew, the man, he, he knew the man had an idol, and he says this. He says, one thing you lack. Now imagine you're standing before Jesus. Now Jesus only said this to one person. But he says, one thing you lack. You're a rich young man, and he kept the Ten Commandments as best he could. Jesus said, go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But the man went away grieved, unwilling to obey Jesus' words. Jesus didn't run after him and say, how about 10%? Rather, he said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, is Jesus asking you to give everything away? No, he's not. Jesus knows that you have a family, you have a life, you have the right to enjoy uh, the fruit of your labor. If you work hard, enjoy it. That's fine. But God also gives us the the, um, verses on the wonderful blessings of giving. So if you have your uh, Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and stand with me. We're just going to read a... a Just a couple of verses here this morning, but in Matthew chapter 6, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount is one of the greatest, is actually the greatest sermon ever preached, the greatest sermon ever recorded. And through that, it's amazing how Jesus can take just a few chapters and deal with every aspect of your life. And in Matthew chapter 6, he first off talks about charitable giving. He says, when you do charitable deeds, don't be like the Pharisees. He says, they blow a horn. What the Pharisees would do is they would take out this little horn and blow it, and that meant that the beggars and the handicapped people, the blind, would come to the horn 
and then all the people in the town square would see the, see the Pharisees giving alms or giving money or giving whatever to the poor people. Jesus said, don't do that. He says, when you fast, don't tell the world you're fasting. Just fast. He says, when you pray, don't be like those people. They stand in the marketplaces and they pray so everybody could see them. He says, go into your prayer closets and pray. And then he talks about money, ironically. He says this in, in chapter or verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then this, he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you for this day. Lord, as we talk about this topic, Lord, I'm living proof that giving will bless your life. Lord, it's an honor for me. Lord, giving is an act of worship. Father, giving is also a spiritual discipline. And Father, I'm reminded, I don't know who gives here and who doesn't. It's none of my business, but I know I give. And Lord, I, I pray that you would encourage those who maybe don't to be a part of something greater than themselves, to lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. Lord, where, where you take account of everything that we do, every prayer that's prayed, every uh, witness and opportunity that we make, Lord, I thank you taking account of that. And Lord, our money is so important to us and, Lord, to our church. And, Father, I just want to thank you that I pastor a church that, uh, Lord, leads by example. Lord, this is the most generous church I've ever been a part of. And, Lord, I'm just thankful for the generosity of East Hills of Baptist Church people. Lord, we could not have this service today without the gifts of the congregation. And, Lord, even though we don't talk about money much here, Lord, it's a vital part of the Bible. And, Lord, it is an act of faith. It's an act of trust. It's an act of obedience. And Father, I just pray that we'd be, be encouraged because of the message today, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people sit together. Amen or oh me. All right? Now, why should I give? Notice this, this thought on the screen. This comes out of the Psalms. If you'll show the first point up there, Michael. We and everything we have belongs to the Lord. Do you believe that? The psalmist said this, The earth is the Lord, and everything that's within it belongs to Him. And what God would tell the nation of Israel back in the Old Testament... Okay, He said, a tenth of all that you have belongs to me. As a matter of fact, I just don't want a tenth of what you have. Okay, He says, I want the first fruits, the best that you have. So if you had sheep, bring me the best one you have. You know, in Malachi's day, he said, give that to, the, to your governor. You bring this weak, blinded sheep to me, and I've blessed your life the way that I have. Okay, And then he says, of your crops, I want a tenth of it. When the crops come up, what, what they were saying is this. We could not have this land if God didn't create it. God gave us Israel in his divine sovereignty, the promised land. Okay? These crops would not grow if God did not send rain. Okay? And what God said is, you're going to tell the world that I'm your God by giving me 10%, you can keep the 90 As a matter of fact, if you went through Jewish history, they gave about 30% ultimately of everything they had. They brought it to the storehouse. This was so important to God. It was such a sign of your trust in relationship to the Lord. Notice what he said to the people in Malachi's day. Malachi was a great prophet. He said, will, will a mere mortal man rob God? Will he? He said, will you rob me and I'm your God? You claim that I'm your God. Okay? You're the chosen people. Will he rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. 
And he said, I, I can tell the spiritual climate of this nation that I handpicked, that I brought together, that I've cared for, that I literally have in the palm of my hand, he says. You're the apple of my eye. I think through Zechariah is what he said. But you're going you're gonna to rob me of 10% and you have so much you've been blessed with. Will a man rob God? Will he rob him? Look at that word for rob. Will a man, will a man rob God? That word rob means to neglect of tithes and offerings. They were symptoms of a deeper issue. The entire matter of faithfulness and love for the Lord and his lordship. And then Jesus gave a second command. He said this, try me now in this. He goes on to say this about that. It's not going to be on the screen. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me, he says in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. He says, if you'll just trust me in this, what I'm going to do is take what you give and I'm going to bless you so much that I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to bless you so much that there's not going to be room enough to store it. That word that he used there for blessing is the same word that Noah, God used with Noah when he talked about the flood. I'm going to flood the whole world, he said. God says, I'm going to bless you so much. He said, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. Isn't that, wouldn't that be a blessing? Okay. No need for a scarecrow. You got God. Okay. No need. He says, no need to spray your crops because I'm going to take care of it if you'll just trust me. That's what he told them, okay, under the Mosaic Law. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. And what he's saying there is this. He uses the word that you would use for a miscarriage. He says, your, your vines are not going to miscarry. They're going to produce and produce and produce if you'll trust me. Okay? And then he goes on to say this. He says, Says the Lord God Almighty, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be, be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. You will be blessed if you're just honest with me in what I ask of you, and if you trust me. Because God understood that they could come together and they could sing and praise and do all those things, but the ultimate sign of their devotion to the Lord is what they brought to the storehouse. God says, you'll, you'll be disciplined in this, and you'll trust me in this, or I'll send famine, and God did. Eventually, he sent the Babylonians and the Assyrians, okay, because they would not trust him. Warren Wiersbe said this about the blessing of giving and receiving. He says, whenever we rob God, we always rob ourselves. Now, let me say that again. Whenever we rob God, we always rob ourselves. I remember being with, I'm with pastors a lot, and I, I remember just was joking. This has been about 10 years ago. And I said, imagine how much extra money you'd have if you didn't tithe, okay, if you tithe. And one preacher looked at me and said, still, you wouldn't have nothing. And I said, you're right, I wouldn't have nothing. Think about that. How much more money would you have, men, if you just stopped tithing right now? Jamie still wouldn't have nothing. Nothing. You think you're saving up by not giving. What, what's happening is, Warren Rusby says this, whenever we rob God, we always rob ourselves. To begin with, we rob ourselves of spiritual blessings. God, God told the nation of Israel, I'll bless you more abundantly than you could ever bless yourself. What an investment. Don't you like investing in good things? I mean, if I'm going to take my money and invest it, I want some return on my money, right? It's foolish not to do that. God told the nation of Israel, what are you going to do? Sell your 10% to who? Your neighbor? What are you going to get out of that? A little bit of money? Or you can be blessed for eternity, because you give to me, because you trust me, okay? 
Because you trust. God said, try me. He doesn't say, try him in any other area. Try me in your finances. Test me, God says. Test me, he told the nation of Israel. Try me in this and see what happens. Wiersbe goes on to say this, but even more, the money that rightfully belongs to God is his, that we keep for ourselves, never stays with us. Your 10%, and that's the, that's the amount I use, okay? We're not under the Mosaic Law. That's what I use. 10% plus is what I personally use, always have. And I, let me say this. When I graduated high school, the Lord saved me. I was working part-time in a furniture factory going to CVCC, okay? I made $50 a week making that money. I gave Millersville Baptist Church $5 because I added it up. Okay, I went to Sugarloaf. I'm not a math genius, but I'm close because I went to Sugarloaf. I knew that was 10%. And ever since my life as a Christian, I've been trying my best to give 10% or more. Okay? Whether it's $50 or whatever. You say, well, I only make $10 a week. Give a dollar. That's what God would ask of you. Hey, listen, if, if a millionaire, if a, if a guy made a million dollars a year, and he's a member of a local church, and he gives $20,000 that year, Okay, and you made $10 that year and you gave a dollar, you're more faithful than he is. You're not trusting God by giving $20,000. Okay? You're just not. You're not tithing at all. You're giving what you can give and you're trying to make more money off yours. But you're not. Will Risby says this. It ends up going to the doctor, the auto body shop, or the tax collector. He says, you've sown so much. This is what he said through Haggai. He says, you have sown so much and bring in little. And he who earns wages, earn wages to be put into a bag with holes. Isn't it amazing how bad we can be with our money instead of giving it to the Lord? His percent, if we don't trust God to care for us, if we don't trust God to care for us, whatever we do trust will prove futile. People who lovingly give tithes and offerings to God find that whatever is left over goes much farther and brings much greater blessing. The lowest standard for Jamie Steele in his house has always been 10%. And I don't live under the law, I live under grace. Okay? And what basically what the children of Israel would say is this when they brought their the reason he calls it an offering is because it was an act of worship. See, this morning we've sang, we've prayed, we've read scripture, I'm preaching, and we took up an offering, all of worship. See, when I bring my tithe, I'm worshiping. I am. And what I'm saying is this, Lord, I appreciate I thank you where I am in my life right now. And Lord, this is yours. Okay? Have we had ups and downs financially in our family? You better believe it. I have girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have grandkids. Oh, yeah. Okay? But what I've done is, this is what you say. This is what I do. When Wednesday, when I get paid, I, I'll give cash. I don't write checks anymore. Okay? Put cash in an envelope, and I say to myself, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. First thing, we get paid on Wednesdays here. This is yours. And I put it in my... Well, I'm not going to tell you where I put it. But then I give it, I give it as an act of worship. You do what God leads you to do. I don't know who gives here. I could care less. I know what Jamie still does. And there's one area of my life. Now, I think we've all done things we're ashamed of. But there's one area of my life I'm not ashamed of, and that's my giving. Never have been. And this is coming from a free lunch kid. First job, I made $4.50 an hour. And I tithed it. Okay? Why? Because it's an act of worship. Not because a church begged me or I heard a sermon. I just read the Bible. I just read the Bible. Since day one, I got saved on October 30th, 1990. That next Sunday, okay, that was a Tuesday, went to church on a Sunday, 
which is November the whatever, and I, I gave money in a plate. That's just how God's led my life because it's an act of worship. And you, you got to understand, when God saved me, I couldn't even read a hymnal. I couldn't. What are you going to do with your money? Truett Cathy said this, Give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Now, I, I rode in a car with Truett Cathy. I ate breakfast with Truett Cathy, who owned Chick-fil-A. One of the most generous men I've ever talked to was Truett Cathy. And he would say this to you, Give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. That's a spiritual discipline. Think about the rich, the rich man who had the barns. I call it the bigger barn syndrome. Listen to what Jesus said, talking about money. Now listen, the Jewish people didn't have the luxuries we have. It wasn't even close. You're well, way better off than Zacchaeus or anybody in Jesus' day. Okay? And then Jesus said this, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful because God blessed him. Now, he didn't say that, but we know that. Okay? And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater barns. And there I'll store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. God bless my 401k. Where I'm putting my faith. Now notice what Jesus says on the screen. Jesus, but God said, fool. That word fool means this. You mindless, ignorant, destitute of knowledge and truth, you fool. And here's why. This night your soul is required. Look at that word required. That, that word required means they require your soul. They, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The rich man was making plans to build bigger barns because he had so much stuff. He said to his soul, take, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says, fool, tonight you're not waking up. Now, if this was, if this was you and God didn't take all the other part out, but tonight your soul is required of you, could you honestly stand before God and say you've been a good steward of what God's given you? See, that's the conviction your preacher has. Have I? Have I? You know, because we're going to stand before him one day. Okay? And God knows all of us. And he says this, And the things you have prepared, who's going to get that? Who's going to get your stuff? Have you thought about that? Who, who are you leaving your stuff to? I remember sitting with Mark Quartz at Calvary Baptist Church in Winston. I was a youth pastor. Youth pastors don't get invited to these things. They don't even know how I got there. But I went once a month and sat... The invitation only with pastors at one of the largest churches in Winston-Salem. And Mark Quartz is the most, probably the greatest preacher you've never heard of. When he retired, Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, David Jeremiah, all these guys sent video congratulations to him. And I thought to myself, who is this guy? Just the godliest man I've ever sat in a room with, just about. And he said, he said man, let's talk about, he always talked about giving. He said, God's blessed me so much. He said, when I started pastoring this church, it was a dirt road. Now it's called Country Club Road. He said, God's blessed me and he says, he says, I try to give back to the Lord. And he says, when I die, he says, all my kids have done well. He said, I'm proud of them. They don't need my money. He says, you think I'm going to leave all my money to my kids who are doing, already doing well? He says, he says, I'm going to leave the majority of my money to the church that's blessed my life so much. He said, I love this place. He says, they may not get rid of me. You know? He says, this may not get rid of me. Who are you going to leave your stuff to? All right? If your family needs it, you should leave it to your family. You should. 
Every, you should leave what you need. You need to take care of your family. The Bible says to do that. Okay? But just understand this, that someone else is going to get your stuff. Solomon said this, the richest man to ever live. Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor, for which I had labored under the sun. For I must leave it to the man who will come after me. I'm going to leave my stuff to somebody else. Then he goes on to say this, and who knows whether he'll be a wise man or a fool. <laughs> I don't know. I think I know these kids, but I don't really know them. Yet he will have control over all the fruit of my labor for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. Thomas says, this is crazy. He said, I got all this wealth. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to leave it to somebody, and I just hope they're not a fool, foolish person. Colonel Sanders said this, don't you love his chicken? He says, there's no reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. I've never met that guy. I've probably walked on some rich caskets, right? He says, you can't do business from there, can you? Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's a discipline you have to have, okay? If you're going to worship the Lord, so why should we give? Because everything that we have belongs to the Lord. And I would encourage you to give while you live, to give systematically. I, give, I get paid weekly, so I give weekly. I give at least 10%. I take that out first. And then I put it in a tithing envelope. And then I give it. So think about this for a moment. You give money here. Where does the money go? What do we do with it? Okay, what do we do with the money here? We have an executive pastor, and I'm going to ask Kevin White to come up. And he's going to explain a little bit about what happens when you give money here. I will be brief. We're going to answer two questions. As he said, what happens to your money? And then what impact do you have? Uh, if you've ever wondered what happens when you put your offering in the basket back there, let me just kind of walk you briefly through the process. You put your offering in the basket, it then goes to our count room. In that room is a group of five to eight men. They often rotate, which is our deacons, and they are on a rotation. The offering is counted usually twice. It is recorded. They make note of any special designations that you have that is marked on our count sheet. That deposit is then sealed and signed and then nobody really does anything with it. It goes directly to the bank, often with a police escort. Monday, it gets counted by the bank, and then also, if you give by uh, an a envelope, it has your name, and if you have any designations, all those envelopes go to um, Tracy Russell, who has kept records, our contribution records, for many, many years, kept those very secure, very private. She takes those offerings, and she makes a note of any special designations. And then those come to me, and then we make sure they match up to the count sheet that is counted on Sunday morning. Well, then anybody that gives online, which is a new option, um, I log into there, log into our bank. I check to see what's been contributed, any special designations. That gets added to our account sheet. And then every Sunday, if you look at the report in your bulletin, that is exactly what was given the previous week up to what has been cleared through online giving. We do that every week to be transparent and also to make sure, especially if you give a designation, you can make sure that it goes exactly where it needs to go. Some people give to the um, Operation Christmas Child uh, on a regular basis. And every week they can look and see to make sure that was noted and that goes into the right account. But the problem, the, the thing is, your giving matters. The process matters. And it should be private. It should be between you and the Lord. And you should have the confidence that the process is above board. And over the years, our church has put in checks and balances to, to help protect our giving to make sure it is always with integrity. Not only do we watch over the giving, but even our spending. Some of you may not know this, but we have steps in place to ensure that our spending is correct. We meet with budget, I meet with budget and finance committee two to three times a year. 
That includes a time for us to review our budget, also plan our budget, and then we also meet to do an internal audit every year to make sure, every, make sure everything is accounted for and all the spending is above board and accounted for. So that's kind of the process. Um, we also have a monthly deacons meeting and they have a financial report every month of what is spent and everything that is reconciled. I say all that, this kind of sounds boring, but the point is you need to know that what you give is protected, it, you can trust where it goes, and that we are keeping an account of it. Second question is simply this, what impact does my giving have at East Taylorsville? And Jamie, I'm sure is gonna talk a little bit more about that. Um, because he often says, and you've heard him say, when you give here at East Taylorsville, you're supporting this ministry or that ministry or this mission. Um, every year, our church votes on a budget, and that budget is so important for us and what we give and where it goes. Um, you vote on that, you approve that, and you can see exactly what it is. For example, last year, our last full budget year, under missions and evangelism, as a church, we voted on this budget, and that included $133,950 that goes to missions and ministries in our first segment of our budget. Every month I send a check to so many different ministries, they have our regular support that we commit to at the beginning of the year. But what's amazing is the last full budget year, it, it wasn't just 133,000, it ended up being $198,000, $33.60 that went to support missions and ministry. That was a part of what you gave above and beyond our budget. That does not include an additional $234,000 that was given by so many different people to support flood relief. So when you gave last year, or when you give now, understand this, that when you give, you're a part of the cooperative program of Lottie Moon. You're a part of the reason that Trent Marshall is in Southeast Asia right now. You're supporting him, that's through your offerings. When you give, you help support forgiven ministries to carry the gospel behind prison walls and to minister to their families. When you give, you're a part of providing food for needy families in this county because every month we send support to the Christian Crisis Center. You're a part of Caring Hearts who provides life-changing care to young girls every single month. And every time you give, you're a part of supporting our Gideon Camp to get the Word of God out there. Sometimes you may not feel what you give as much, but together as a church family, we are able to have a significant impact through our support for many ministries and mission efforts. And that's not to mention all of our regular ministries, children's ministry, youth ministry, senior adult ministry. Tonight, our Awana program is gonna have an end of year celebration. We can do that because together we give and we're faithful to the Lord to tithe and give our offerings. So I say all that to say this. Well, let me just say this, because I know time's running out. You're giving, make sure the lights are on today. <laughs> In the summer, when you're, power bill goes through the roof on those hot summer days just realize here at the church we have a big power bill too we have five large buildings here and you're giving make sure that we have those the finances to pay those bills we pay the water bill did you realize that we have 31 different bathrooms here <laughs> that's a lot of water um, you're giving make sure that that's being able to pay for having older buildings we have maintenance issues your giving helps ensure that every week these facilities are ready and prepared for ministry every single week. You may not think about that, but your giving makes that difference. So here's the bottom line. Through your faithful obedience to the Lord to tithe and give, you are having a significant impact on the kingdom of God here in more ways than you realize. 
And I hope that every one of you can give with joy and with confidence knowing that you are giving to the Lord. It is his money, it is his resources, and our goal here as a church is simply to be wise and faithful stewards of what he's blessed us with in order that we may give him greater glory and have a greater impact on eternity. Thank you, Kevin. When you give here, like Kevin mentioned, the, just the cooperative program, for example, if you'll show this slide. Well, no. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go to the next one. Forgive me. Uh, when you give, you're, you're a part of a Southern Baptist convention, which is about 47,000 churches in America. The total membership is over 14 million. And what you're doing is you're supporting uh, international missionaries, 3,600. Now, about 1,000 had to come home because giving went down through COVID and different things like that. When I say you're supporting 3,600 missionaries, you're paying their salary, you're paying their housing, you're paying their retirement. You're paying them to be a staff person in the mission field, okay? Uh, like, I've been to Haiti for a week, okay? Their missionaries that you've supported have been there for 25 years. Good, godly people. They're doing a great work. When Randy and Debbie Smith were in the Philippines, the reason they didn't have to come home and ask for money all the time is because they went through the IMB, Lottie Moon, and we paid their expenses for them to be on the mission field, and they didn't have to do that, okay? Money, money well invested. Also, think about domestic missionaries, missionaries just here in the United States, okay? That's given through the Annie Armstrong mission offering. There's uh, 2,220 right now that you're supporting. Full-time, we've planted, I think, in America, over 588 new churches. You support six seminaries, which is about 25,000 students. Go to the next one, and you give to North Carolina missions. You're supporting disaster relief. You're also supporting national disaster relief, which is the greatest disaster relief organization in the world. If something happens in some country uh, tonight, a natural disaster, they'll be there and they'll stay there along with Samaritan's Purse and, and others. Okay, Baptist Children's Home, wasn't that a blessing that Sunday that they were here? You know you're supporting 23 locations just by tithing? In North Carolina, 23 locations that you're supporting if you tithe. Now listen, look at me. I want everybody to look at me. If you don't tithe, you're supporting nothing. You're not supporting anything. You're not supporting anything, okay? You're not a part of any missionaries or Baptist children's home. Think about all the church playing that's going on right now in North Carolina. Baptist Hospital. How many people have been blessed by going to Baptist Hospital through the Mother's Day offering? But when you tithe, you give to it, okay? Uh, I don't know how many of our members have called and said, hey, my mom is in the hospital or my whomever, and they're going to have a big deal. And I said, why don't you call this number and see what they can do for you? And the last call I got, the uh, guy says, he called me two days later and says they're going to help with the bill, a large amount. We've had members of our church have their whole hospital stay paid for. That's a blessing, is it not? You know, they didn't ask for these health issues, it just came upon them. But if you don't give to that, you're not a part of it. Notice locally, all the things that you're helping, uh, forgiving ministry, thousands of... Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you would love to go to prison and start preaching to inmates? Probably none of you, Okay. I've been there, right? But what you can do is you can send Scotty and help her go. She goes, her, her ministry's national. She's locally here, but her ministry's national. She's been on CNN, ABC. She's been all over. We're blessed to be able to be a part of that. Think about the Christian Crisis Center. Between 800 and 1,000 families in Alexander County per month you support. 800 to 1,000, typically, families per month you support if you give. Caring Hearts Pregnancy Center. They don't just deal with uh, young girls that are pregnant. They deal with a lot of domestic violence issues. 
When we had the flood, I'm so thankful Denise and Karen Hartz came here because we had babies here at our relief shelter. Okay? And I said, call Denise. And she came and spent hours with these people. All right? The mobile cafe who fed most of the meals for the, the flood victims. We said, we're going to be a part of that. And they serve meals daily. Good news clubs. Whenever, uh, before COVID, there were, you had thousands of uh, elementary students throughout the county that were or at least hundreds of thousands that were being shared the gospel with because you give. And then here in our own church, we have a tutoring ministry before COVID. What, third, second through fifth graders that we tutor for free here once a, once a week. And we have a graduation ceremony for those children. And you're a part of that. And people say, what does these tell us to do for missions? What do we not do? I don't know of anything we're not doing. I'm trying to, I was like, what, did, what, what are we not a part of here when you give? And the only reason we can support ministries like this, and some of those have been started through this church, is because you give, okay? It's because of your giving. And, and like, when you think about the, the budget and the percentage that goes to missions and ministry, it's enormous. I mean, it's, it's a blessing. If you look at a lot of church budgets, with, with, uh, or a lot of churches our size, a little bit bigger with the budget we have, or a little bit more, most of their salary percentage of their budget is 50 to 67%. Here it's 32. That includes everybody's part-time, full-time, benefits, all those things. So we try to be good stewards of your money. Like Kevin said, we have uh, internal audits here. And you've probably heard of churches that have financial issues where money's been taken. It's literally impossible to do that here. Okay, It's really impossible to do that here. So when you give, you can honestly say that the checks and balances are in place, you have the right leadership in place, and your money is going to good causes here at East Hillsville Baptist Church. Okay? The final thing is this, the final point is this, and then we'll close. You can't outgive God. Now notice what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake. Look at that. That's, this is the greatest part of this verse for me. Yet for your sake. For you whether you're a Christian or not, for you, he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Okay? And what that means is this. What do you mean by Jesus became poor? He left heaven. What did Jesus leave when he came here? That's what Paul, the point he's trying to make. Not that Jesus didn't have a house. How rich was he? God was his father. The son of God was his title. Sovereignty was his throne. Glory was his wardrobe. Eternity was his watch. Heaven was his home. The world was his possession. Angels were his servants. The nations were his inheritance. But because of you, for your sake, Paul says to the church at Philippi, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For your sake, notice that word. This is the substitutionary atonement of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul, Paul says this, for our sake. For us, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For your sake. You can't outgive Jesus. You can't outgive God. God did it for your sake. Albert Barnes said this, he who, has an, an in, he, he who has an interest in the Redeemer has a possession that is of more value than all the princes, that all that princes have. Can bestow. Let me ask you a question. What is better than amazing grace? What is better than forgiven sin? What is better than a clean conscience? What is better than a new heart? What is better than true joy 
What is better than spiritual peace? What is better than eternal hope? You are rich in Christ. And I'll close with this. Are you rich or are you poor today? Friends, you'll never outgive God. God gave his best to us. I want you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. As our musicians come, and we've we talked this morning about giving, but I'm going to encourage you today, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, to give yourself to Jesus. To give yourself to Jesus this morning. Place your faith and trust in Him. Because of our sin, there's an eternal gap between us and the Lord. And Jesus bridged that gap. He died on the cross. He bore our sin debt, bore God's wrath. He rose from the dead. And faith in Christ and Christ alone saves. If you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that now. To give yourself to Christ. And after I pray, if you want to make that public, this altar is open for you today. If you just want to come and pray with your family or, or for yourself, then that's fine as well. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this church that I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to pastor. Father, I make no hesitation to trust this church with any of my money. And Father, I make no hesitation to trust you with my soul. Jesus, I'm so thankful that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. The greatest trust you can give is to give your soul to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And Father, I pray that in this service today, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, that today they would do that. Father, be their redeemer today, and we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, this altar is open and you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. so much for being here. I just want to remind you that we're on a regular schedule tonight at 5 p.m. Um, also, next Sunday, of course, is Mother's Day. I'll be preaching on marriage, so I encourage you to invite your mom to come with you next Sunday. Invite your neighbors and friends. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you, and I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon. You're dismissed.